What's up, Team Female? Welcome to Female Political Strategy, Female First, Female Forward, Politically Non-Binary. I'm Ro. I'm Lilith. And I'm Elle. All right. So this week's episode was inspired by some Twitter beef that recently happened between me and some other prominent feminists uh, in regards to an ad that Adidas, the sporting company, put out recently that showcased women's breasts and just pictures of breasts stacked into rows one after the other. And it was supposed to be an example of a company using body diversity. And the slogan on this actual tweet that they sent out with all these pictures of breasts was, we believe women's breasts in all shapes and sizes deserve support and comfort, which is why our new sports bra range contains 43 styles so everyone can find the right fit for them. And this is explore the new Adidas sports bra collection at Adidas, blah, 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 blah. So the pictures of these breasts, yes, they're very diverse. They're different shapes and sizes. The models that they use for this type of advertisement are more like average to overweight. And in particular, like their breasts are not typically the kind of breasts you would see on models, which tend to be really skinny with like bigger boobs or at least smaller boobs that are more symmetrical. These women are overweight. They have some skin discoloration. They're Some of them have scars. They have scars. Their breasts are of like different sizes. Um, you know, some of them have like saggier breasts, et cetera. So the discussion is like, is this porn? Is this sexualization of the breast? Or is this uh, an example of desexualization of the breast? A lot of people are vehemently disagreeing on this, like a big discussion right now, whether like this is objectification or if this is sexualization. So basically what I did was I created, after a back and forth I had here, I created a poll on my Twitter where I said, okay, look at this Adidas ad. Do you think this new Adidas ad is empowering because it desexualizes breasts? Or do you think it's objectifying, dehumanizing because it displays breasts as objects? So that's that's basically the crux of why this discussion, or I thought we should bring this discussion to the podcast. And I um, came up with essentially three central issues that were discussed back and forth on the tweet thread that I think we can parse out here a little bit more. So the first one being, is the Adidas ad an example of desexualized breasts? Two, is it possible to desexualize breasts? And then three, does breast being sexualized contribute to breastfeeding stigma and antagonism of girls who develop earlier who have large breasts? Can I just start out, before you go into the, the questions, I actually just want to say that I actually think it's a very positive thing that Adidas has all these different sizes for different women. And in general, I think that more sportswear companies should have, I guess it's called like inclusive sizing or like sizing for larger women, because it's been, it's sort of absurd to me that overweight women face so much bullying and so much like you have to lose weight, you have to lose weight, you have to lose weight. And like all the athletic wear is sort of designed for people who are already skinny. And it's just sort of double message kind of there, kind of contradictory, you know, message, right? In fact, like there was that tweet that went viral a while back where a woman was criticizing Fabletics for having sizing for overweight women. It's like, well, do you want them to work out or not? Right? Yeah. (laughs) You know? So I think it's actually a good thing that they're having, you know, sizing for a variety of different body shapes. So I think that's overall positive. But this is about this podcast is going to be about can breasts be desexualized? Actually, I have a gripe with the ad because even with all you're saying, when you look at the actual sizing, they only offer the bigger sizes in some styles. So it's not like 43 styles in the, in the larger sizes, as well as like it's mostly just standard sizing. So it doesn't really or like it's, it's basically it's standard sizing plus a couple of extra like 
double X sizes. So they have double X, three X and four X. So when I look at this, I'm like, I don't understand what the point of showing all the boobs were in the different sizes. If you weren't actually going to like correlate the breasts that you just showed to the actual bra sizing. True. Yeah. And it seemed gratuitous to me. So that's why to talk about the first question, which is our first question is like, is this an Adidas ad, an example of desexualized breasts? And I made the argument um, I'll, I'll represent the second argument too, but I made the argument no. And the biggest reason was I was like, okay, the only reason you, people feel like this is an example of desexualized breasts is because you don't find these breasts sexy. Because I guarantee if Fashion Nova did the same ad where they're like, we have a bunch of different bralettes and a bunch of different styles, even though the sizing still pretty standard. And it was all like skinny models, young models and like symmetrical perky looking boobs that people consider to be prettier people would find that objectifying that they took like their head and their torso off and was just showing their boobs it would be like this is clearly exploitation or people just like uh pandering to the male gaze but calling it female empowerment i I guess the only thing i'd want to add or like caveat is the difference between sexualizing and then making it pornographic right yeah yeah, I I feel like they could have, if they were going to do this ad in a way that wasn't dehumanizing, they could have maybe juxtaposed the breast next to like the bra fit. But like, again, if you go to this, if you go to the website, it's just not all that clear, like why they showed the boobs more so than for the, the shock value. So I wanted to say exactly that, that the image there, I feel like is just to create shock value and get people talking about it. Kind of like, I mean, we played right into their heads because we're talking about it now, right? So, um, but but my my answer to your first question there, Rose, like I don't think that the image is necessarily sexualizing breasts. I think that it is objectifying, though. And sexualization yeah. and objectification are usually related, but they're not always uh, the same. And you know, I think I th- actually just think I have a problem with the image because it there's no head. It just shows only their breasts, and it just sort of. It just, the image is just sort of dehumanizing to me, yeah. you know, it, and reduces women to their breasts. And, exactly. Uh, but I don't, the, you know, some people were saying like, oh, you know, maybe the models, they didn't want to show their face or, you know, they weren't comfortable with that. And it's like, th- well, that may be true. Maybe you are doing that to respect the privacy of the models. And that's fine. At the same time, that doesn't negate the uh, sort of imagery itself and what that means and what that sort of speaks to. Right. Like there's tons of plus size models out there. Right. Like I'm sure you could probably find some models out there who are fine with showing both their face and their breasts in the this same This is all very intentional. No, it was intentional. Yeah. Like, I mean, porn exists. They can find somebody willing to show their face and tits. Like that's, yeah. I don't think that's the intent here. The intent here, like you said, was to profile breasts, which is objectifying them. Just tits for tits sake to me is just, there's so much more to the woman. I mean, Adidas is an athletic company. And if they want to like address the narrative of, body shapes and the narratives and all of that, like humanize the conversation, humanize the breasts. Or humanize the person that the breasts are attached exactly. to. Exactly. That's, that's my point. By just showing the breasts, I think they made it an object. Whereas if it was on a person living their day-to-day life, it's like, okay, now we could just look at it, not geo style. Yeah. But it still doesn't make sense because I'm like, once again, it's supposed to be saying something about the bra fit, which if they don't make that correlation, it just seems like they just wanted to show us boobs. Yeah. The point I want to make is that like, you can't say that it's empowering when the breasts are like, quote unquote, everyday women's breasts and then objectifying when it's like models breasts, even if those models have natural breasts. It's like, you're going to have to almost like pick a struggle because if you normalize this, then like you can't really say anything when Victoria's Secret does the same thing. And remember Victoria's 
Secret got lambasted because of like how flimsy their clothes are, or the bottles are unrealistic, they're skinny with big boobs, and they're like, uh, it's too sexualized, et cetera, et cetera. And so like now you're seeing other companies do the same thing, but like it's it, it comes across like they just want... It's not that they don't want the objectification. They just want women who aren't models to be objectified. Like that's why that was kind of my point in the fem cell feminism episode is that like, you can't say, Oh, it's wrong when Megan Fox or, um, or Billie Eilish, like caters to the male gaze or that they're selling out and they're sexualizing themselves. But that it's feminist when, you know, an overweight model or a sort of average looking model does the same thing, right? They, yeah. When Lena Dunham does it, it's suddenly like, yes, queen or Lizzo or somebody. Right. And I'm like, that's really not fair. It's not consistent. Not consistent either. Yeah. The weird thing about liberal feminism is like, they're not even fighting against the actual male gaze. They're just trying to include more women into the male gaze. Yeah. And it's extra weird. Why is that feminism, right? <laughs> yeah. We talked about this in the discord too. Men do find these types of breasts sexually attractive too. So and I'm not like anti-representation. I'm just sort of hesitant on the hypocrisy of calling this feminist. Uh, so pro desexualization of boobs and then saying that presenting boobs that aren't traditionally considered sexy automatically equals desexualization. Case in point, a second tweet that I posted on my Twitter from our favorite, our favorite feminist Instagram account where there's this girl and she's skinny and she's got big boobs and she's got on a bikini top that's too small for her boobs. And she's like throwing her hair back and there's a caption over her boobs that says stop sexualizing breasts or stop sexualizing boobs. And it was like, I don't understand the point of this because like generally if you wear a bikini top that's too small for your breasts, like the only reason people do that is because they it's sexy looking and it's supposed to be sexual. Otherwise you would just wear a bra top that fits right so <laughs> so i have a question then what does sexualize mean that's the thing i that's what i almost want to discuss because it's not really clear to me well the model that you're talking about ro and she annoys me for other reasons but she's like an asexual lingerie model and so that, that's the other thing that's like weird to me right now in liberal feminism is it's like i'm a sexy slutty slut and i love sucking dick but i'm also asexual right and like <laughs> oh my god is she <sighs> Is she asexuals that have sex? Is is that what her deal is? Asexuals can have sex too. Like, I, I don't, if you're asexual, like, that's cool. You do you. But I don't understand this, like, weird insistence of, like, asexuals, you know, are get horny too. It's like saying, like, lesbians like dick too. Or, you know, vegans eat meat, <laughs> right? Atheists that go to church, yeah. I do remember when asexuality became more of a prominent discussion that the discussion was that they didn't want to be pressured to have to be sexual. Right. And they felt like the culture was oversexualized and that it was uncomfortable for them. So it's And I totally respect that, right? It's done a 180. <laughs> let's let's contextualize this, right? This di um this uh dialogue actually began when I would say the breastfeeding, like women that are breastfeeding in public would get in trouble for breastfeeding in public and being quote unquote pornographic and it was just like wait a second i'm feeding my baby why is this an issue so i think we've become such a hyper sexualized culture where we're seeing like titillation and everything that it's like dial it down not everything is for your boner i want to get to that point like in our second question because i want to talk about like the breastfeeding issue specifically because i actually think that's separate from the sexualization issue but we can get to that yeah C can you tell me why you think it's separate? Uh, because it used to be very common for breasts to be both sexualized and looked at as uh, baby feeding machines. 
excuse me, and it's possible for our culture and our breasts to exist as both. And that the, the switch from the switch from antagonizing women or finding it shameful for women to be breastfeeding in public is relatively recent, even in the United States culture, like 20th century. And it had to do with the rise of baby formula and less the sexualization of breasts, which always pretty much existed. I mean, there are some cultures, I guess, where women just walk around topless and that's just like, that's just how it be. And, you know, the fact that people see boobs all the time means that to them, it's not like seen as uh, unusual or it's not seen as like taboo. So yeah, there's that. But, but also like, I don't know, I, I feel like trying to police what men find sexy is like, sort of fruitless endeavor, in my opinion. Like, yeah, it's like hurting cats, right? Like, like what men, men are going to think what they think is sexy. I don't know, like what men like, it's kind of irrelevant to me. It's like, just exist as a person. And, you know, some men will like that and some men won't. And it's just sort of, I don't know who cares what men think, you know? It doesn't help the conversation when we're trying to have an honest discussion about like the stigma against women who maybe develop early or breastfeeding. And then you have people who are kind of mocking it by wearing a too small bikini top and being like, don't sexualize me, right? And so I wrote on my Twitter, like this is giving desert thirsty attention seeking and false victimization complex bordering on mental illness because it kind of is, right? Like this is a person who just wanted to post a thirst trap and then like pretend to be oppressed. And so that's kind of the problem. Like when we are trying to have these conversations, there's like this disingenuous attention seeking set that just does all this edgelord stuff because they want attention. And it's not actually about desexualizing the breasts as much as like they want people to pay attention to them. So we'll call them noise. I think for the purpose of um, the conversation, they're noise, right? So they're not they're not valid contributors to the conversation. But people that are like Adidas somehow, um, that are trying to make the idea of looking at breasts a secondary sexual organ. Yeah, it's an organ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So secondary sex um, sex organ, a non-sexual thing, but asexual thing. But it's just... if attra- So attractiveness, I think, and I'm just going to think out loud here. Attractiveness is an indicator of like whether or not you want to fuck it, right? If you're talking about breasts. And if they're not attractive, you're still rating it in terms of like fuckability. And that's what Adidas is trying to make us think about. It's like, look at these breasts. They're not the ones that would be considered fuckable. I don't know. And I guarantee you there's dudes out there jerking off to the Adidas ad. <laughs> yeah. So so my point is that I I think we have to have a cultural conversation if we're going to talk about normalizing breast exposure, about like what that is, what the costs and benefits are, and what context is that appropriate. Because right now the conversation is very confusing. And now you're seeing like brands trying to capitalize off that conversation in ways that I think actually won't end up benefiting women and will just end up making us feel more objectified ultimately. So that was my point about the Adidas Act. So the second question was, um, is it possible to desexualize breasts. So not even just, is this an example of desexualized breasts? Like how do we realistically desexualize breasts in this culture? I mean, is that even a goal we want to have? Because like some women, some women were responding to your thread saying like, oh, for me, my breasts are like an erogenous zone. So like, you know, if you actually use them during sex for your own pleasure, it's like, why would you want to desexualize them? But also like the, the other thing is like, there are cultures where breasts are not you know, hi, you know, not pornified at least, you know, are, yeah. um, it's normal to just walk around topless, I guess. And, and that's cool and all, but I mean, in terms of like West, our puritanical Western culture, like, do I think that's like realistic or even like a desirable goal? Hmm. 
you know, a lot of these cultures where women walk around topless are also very, very patriarchal, right? So I don't think that there's any kind of correlation between mm-hmm. being able to walk around topless and female empowerment. In fact, like, there we go. I, I, I'm concerned that if we go down this path of trying to desexualize breasts, women are going to feel pressure to, you know, walk around topless to prove that they're feminist or whatever, or, you know, it's just going to lead to more of an er- erosion of women's boundaries and so on, uh, or erosion of women's sexual boundaries. And so, I mean, I I don't know if the goal should be to desexualize breasts so much as just like punishing men who are sexually harassing women for having breasts. Well, the argument people were making was that uh, if you normalize breast exposure, it will somehow become less sexualized, which again, I, I'm with you where I'm like, I'm not exactly uh, sure about that link or how they're making the connection that more breast exposure equals less sexualization, given that there are cultures. They just want to see more tits. Yeah, because there are, there are cultures <laughs> where breast exposure is normal, but it doesn't mean they don't sexualize each other. They just have like things that are considered sexual display and non-sexual display. Like they have social um, boundaries and social mores, but it doesn't mean like they don't look at each other's bodies and never find it sexual. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, no, no, I guess the real question is, do we want to ex- um, lower the like the level of like um, acceptable skin exposure to include nipples is that really the question that's being had yeah that's the question that's the argument they're making because they're saying well women should be able to go topless on a hot day and then they brought up some examples of uh some women that were arrested for public nudity for exposing their breasts and like when you dig down to this into the story it's pretty clear that that they weren't arrested because they were like doing something that was innocuous it was like a situation like for example they they gave me an example of a woman who was uh arrested in utah for being topless in her backyard and being topless in her home and then what npr posted was like this woman was arrested for being topless in her own home and then when you read the story it turns out that like uh it was it was a stepmother and she was like topless around her uh stepchildren her stepchildren told their mother and either it like made them upset or uncomfortable and the mother called the police so it wasn't like a bystander that was like harassing this woman for being topless it was the mother who was like okay this woman is drunk and topless around my kids and telling them they need to be comfortable with her new body and she's freaking (laughs) out Like, and as the, and as a woman, I'm like, my knee jerk reaction is to take the, the mother bio mother side. Like she doesn't know that woman. And she's basically like violating sexual norms around her children. And I think I would be like motivated to call the cops on her too. What the hell? Like, what are you doing? So. (laughs) Oh, the other thing about the whole, like normalize blank is I'm always suspicious about that statement because like, how do you treat the women who don't participate in that? Right. Like I see this a lot in, in rad, rad femme circles slash femme cell circles where they try to be like, we need to normalize women not wearing makeup. We need to normalize women not, you know, being sexy for the male gaze. And the way that they do that is not by just like celebrating butch women or celebrating women who don't wear makeup. The way that they do that is going around commenting on women's TikToks and being like, how dare you, you know, have whore makeup for, you know, appealing to the male gaze and stuff like they end up dealing with that by perpetuating more misogyny against the women who don't want to participate in the normalization of whatever agenda that they have or whatever. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned that if we go down that path of like normalize, uh, female toplessness or whatever, then they're going to go around looking at women who, you know, aren't going topless and being like, you're doing this, you know, out of uh, patriarchal, you know, you know, you're, you're perpetuating patriarchy by not showing your tits. Like in order to show you're a real empowered woman, you have to take off your top. Right. And so I, I, I really just don't like this idea. Like, Oh, we need to normalize this because then how do you treat 
the people who don't try to normalize it. So the analogy I made uh, that I think is very similar is how like butt exposure has become more normalized and yet increasingly sexualized at the same time. You can go to the beach with literally some floss on on your bottom and like it's not considered obscene anymore. And like it hasn't done anything to desexualize people's butts if not it's if anything it's just made the culture more sexual more sexual or like women's butts are now like a focus of sexual scrutiny so i'm like if we normalize toplessness it doesn't necessarily to me follow that that it would desexualize our breasts that seems to either be it's either biologically or culturally ingrained but it's so deep embedded in our culture at this point the question is like how and why would you how would you desexualize the breast if you could? Do people realize that, like, biology, we are biological beings in a cultural society? <laughs> like, try, granted, the two things are separate. Like, our biological beings and our cultural, you know, mores are, you know, separate. But, like, we exist within cultural norms. So you can't just get mad at cultural norms, norms for existing. That's what makes us, like, evolved civilized human beings plus if it if it wasn't breast it would be something else because yeah if, if it wasn't breast it'd be something else and it always it randomly is thing other things so it's just this like fight with reality that i struggle with yeah so like there's cultures for example again where breast exposure is normalized but then they might put rings around their neck to stretch out their collarbone in their neck or do body scarring and body modification so it doesn't necessarily follow to me that just because they might not sexualize breasts as much as other culture that females bodies are desexualized yeah sorry what is this question about like why don't we desexualize like who who's this we that, how does de- that's what I mean like how does the social movement of why don't we do this mean like does that mean everybody do their part and take part or is there an authority to appeal to I mean it's weird edgelords because I have been places in the US where toplessness is fairly normal especially certain beach towns right if you go to South Beach most of the time especially you get a lot of people that are from Europe they come and some of them don't wear some of them don't wear tops um particularly on the private beaches. So it's not a huge deal, but it's always like context dependent. And also people um, don't want to get tan lines, so they may not wear a top uh, in certain parts of the country. But then other parts of the country, like it's cold. It's too cold to have your chest exposed for like 90% of the year. So it just doesn't make sense for us versus the other cultures where they like to point to a lot of tribal cultures that live in rainforests. And for them, the reason why they go nude is because of the heat and the humidity and the frequency of rain literally causes their clothes to disintegrate. So they kind of don't have a choice, right? Whereas like other places, it's definitely more... Um, like Wisconsin. like <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely more appropriate to wear clothes most of the time. So I don't know. So this it just, first of all, it just feels like a non-argument for most of the people in the US anyways. It's just, yeah, like you said, weird edgelord shit, like... The women who are doing it honestly come across as creepy to me sometimes because I'm like, well, you can wear your boobs out if you want to, but it feels like they're more into pushing everyone else's boundaries and then getting mad that people find them sexy, which is like, that's, you can't really change how other people find you sexually attractive, if that makes sense, but you can control what's socially accepted behavior. Yeah. I'm just kind of chuckling at like, yeah, the, you know, like the asexual uh, lingerie model just being going around being like I just want to walk around topless and then doing like the shocked Pikachu face when people think she's sexy and it's like well <laughs> yeah I mean like and, and they have this sort of like just weird sort of indignation of like I can't believe we live in a culture where women's breasts are sexualized it's like 
duh. Uh, like <laughs> Literally the way God intended. I mean, the other thing is, like, I don't know what exactly you're challenging. Like, this is another, my other problem with a lot of, like, libfem media talking points. Even some radfems do this sort of thing where it's, like, it's it's very um, sort of, like, individualistic and it's not challenging the actual, like, power structures in play, right? And so, you know, earlier I mentioned how, um, you know, there's certain cultures where, you know, women go topless. And one example that comes to mind is, you know, there's some tribes in, like, Papua New Guinea, for example, um, where the women generally walk around topless. Uh, but these are cultures where the gender roles are extremely strict. In some of these cultures, the men eat first and women last to the point where women would actually get prion diseases because the only meat that would be left over would be like the brain or like neural tissue and stuff, stuff that the men didn't want to eat, right? So they'd be left to eat last, eating like the worst cuts of the meat and like getting sick from it, right? So like, you know, and then you've got like on the other extreme, I guess like Victorian times where, yeah, women had to, you know, if you showed your ankles or your wrists or whatever, it's like you were a whore, right? And so my point being that like the amount of skin that women are allowed to show is not correlated with female equality or female empowerment. I think we should be fighting against the policing of how much clothing that women wear for sure. Like for example, hijab, right? Like compulsory hijab is a tool of female oppression, right? Yeah. Um, but on the, on the flip side, I also think that the hijab itself, not even just compulsory, the hijab itself. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's associated with like drawing the difference between, uh, and it's funny you bring that up actually, because, um, in Islam, I guess the sex slaves don't have to wear hijab. Like women who wear hijab, it's to indicate that they're free women, right? And so this is another example of like women who wear less clothes are not necessarily more empowered, right? In fact, like it can actually be a source of, uh, of oppression. And so, yeah, just to add something to that, you also have free sexual access to these women with or without consent. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, my point being that like, I don't think that normalizing nudity or normalized nudity is associated with female empowerment. I think we need to attack the actual power structures. And I just think it's annoying that with this is a, a common problem with liberalism, where instead of focusing on the power structures, they focus on like, uh, you know, symbolic or, you know, symbolic victories and sort of feel good sort of things, because it's easier to do that or more, I guess, emotionally charged to do that rather than challenging the actual power structures. But it's just you're uh, addressing the symptoms, not the causes. And unpopular opinion, I might get, I might cut this out, but some of it too is that the women that are pushing for this, like, are actually kind of creepy. Yeah. Right. Like, they kind of, like, there are women who are creeps. So I'm not, I'm not all in on the idea that women should be able to walk around naked wherever either. In the same way, we obviously don't want men to do that. Like, some of the women who are pushing for this, like, they seem to get off on pushing people's like personal and sexual boundaries in a way that comes across violating and creepy. Yeah. So for example, the woman in Utah who was like flashing her boobs at her stepkids. Now it's like, it's probably fine to be nude in your own home and also in your backyard, but like to the point where you're like indoctrinating your kids, like you should be comfortable looking at my body yeah. and like the bio mom is like, what the fuck? That's where I feel like it just seems like grooming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It feels like groomy and it feels like, I feel like we're, it's totally appropriate to draw a line. Imagine like, a nudist colony for example like i know there, there's apparently nudist colonies and i think all the people who are into nudist shit they're all fucking weird to me uh, but some of them have like <laughs> kids right and so yeah. imagine being a child like raised in a nudist colony and like just that being like the socialization that you receive and then you go out into the real world how fucking easily it would be to sexually exploit that person right yeah like yeah. how sad is that yeah it's That's so true. sad so okay so brings us to our last question here um 
Does breast being sexualized contribute to breastfeeding stigma and antagonism of girls who develop early or who have large breasts? So a lot of the nudist people or the normalizing uh, female toplessness, people are advocating it because they believe that it will desexualize the breast to the point where it will reduce breastfeeding stigma and antagonism of girls who develop early. And I think we've already talked about in some of the earlier sections about like just more breast exposure is not going to do jack shit about yeah. desexualizing the breast or uh, lessen men's objectification or antagonism of us. So I disagree with that. Um, the other point I wanted to make, which I started to make on my Twitter, and I think we're going to do an episode later on that's more detailed about why public breastfeeding became taboo in the United States, because it is relatively a recent phenomenon, like 20th century is when it became taboo to public breastfeed because before that it's not like people had juice boxes like lying around right like you pretty much had to publicly breastfeed your kid and interestingly enough when I started researching like was this like a Christian Puritan thing and it was like the exact opposite where a lot of the like Puritans and uh, Christian cultures are super pro breastfeeding and even public breastfeeding so this isn't it you can't blame the Christians for this one this time (laughs) even though I feel like they're blamed they do have uh they do are they are responsible to for a lot of uh sexual stigma around nudity but not entirely and and not in this case. So um the breastfeeding stigma happened to coincide with the rise of uh, uh baby bottles as well as formula feed and it was basically and I'm, not to get into too much detail <laughs> cuz I haven't given like I haven't fully like uh, researched everything. I want to talk about this, but the, the general idea behind it was that um, being able to afford baby bottles and baby formula became a marker of class. And so women who were upper class considered uh, breastfeeding your children to be something that was given to lower class or working class women. And they used to have like, yeah, wet nurse, nurse. and like these, Ro, can I just get a trigger warning next time you just come for the capitalists like that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Girl. go ahead. <laughs> and anyways, jokes aside. Or it was, and then it created this environment of shame because it got a- associated with being poor poor and low class, yeah, to yeah. breastfeed in public. And then specifically the, the like the wet nurse network that they used to use to, to um, feed their children. It was often poor women and in the United States, often black women, right? So it's like a lot of the quote-unquote stigma around breastfeeding didn't happen because of the sexualization of the breast so much as like antagonism from rich, wealthy, elite women. And then furthermore, um, as women started to enter the workplace, the employers didn't want to accommodate it, right? Like we still have, we are still fighting this day and age to have general accommodations for women who are nursing. Like by law, you're supposed to have like a quiet, clean room for women to nurse in or to pump in. And it's, there's still women fighting that battle, that battle right now with their employers. So a lot of it has to do with like when women's left the home more frequently and wanted to enter, enter the industrial workplace, there was no accommodations made by their employer because like, we didn't have to do this for men. They didn't want to make, spend the money or make accommodations for nursing women. They just fired you. So a lot of the breastfeeding stigma is less about like sexualization of the breast, more so it is about like uh, shaming poor women for breastfeeding, as well as the fact that it doesn't sell as well as like sexualized breast does. Like you can sell anything with sexy looking boobies, but formula is obviously a product that would, that uh, people want to encourage women to buy because it makes them money. Women using their own breast milk doesn't make anybody money. And also employers accommodating nursing mothers cost them money. 
So it's more of a, an issue of capitalism. And I think just attacking it by saying, like, if we just show boob is going to be desexualized, and it's going to be normalized is pretty naive, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, free the nip class revolution. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that seems like clown world to me. <laughs> Mark said fuck with that, though. I me thinks so the comment about, um, oh, you know, if we desexualize breasts, then like teenage girls who develop early aren't going to face as much hostility. I mean, me as someone who actually developed quite young and did face a lot of sexual harassment from men from the age of like nine and 10, 12. Not, yeah, not age of like nine to 12. I had a lot. That's like when I had the most street harassment in my entire life, like compared to the rest of my life. And so to me, that suggestion is sort of like offensive to me because it's not that it wasn't my breast that made men sexualize me. It was their own sexual entitlement and pedophilia that made them sexualize me. And so, again, this is an example of treating the symptom and not the cause. Right. And so, you know, men who sexualize children, they do so because they're fucking mentally depraved. And again, like we need to address the problem, which is men being shitty. I feel like, you know, whether women wear a lot of clothes or no clothes at all, it, you know, it's not going to correlate with female empowerment if the men in the situation are still scrotes, right? So, <laughs> you know, we need to, yeah. So we need to kind of, how do I say this? Like, you know, we need to address the root cause, which is male sexual depravity and entitlement. And I don't think that's achieved by just like asking women to get naked or, and quite frankly, it feels coercive. It feels manipulative. Yeah. What's that one feminist group that's like always protesting topless, you know, Femin, F-E-M-E-N. So they do a lot of topless protests as a way of getting media attention. I mean, it's a it's a strategy that works, I guess. You know, you do get media attention when you walk around topless. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't like this sort of like implication that like, oh, if you're a real feminist, you'll go topless. It's like, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes that we did with liberal feminism. It's like, oh, you know, show me you're a feminist by fucking on the first date. Show me you're a feminist by, you know... It, it, you know, it's rhetoric that is too easily exploited by men. Like, come on. I think a lot of their arguments to justify why they think ex increased nudity will desexualize the human body is because they misread the cultures that they're uh, taking reference from. And I think we kind of, we already touched on it a little bit, but like every culture, even the ones that they would call like tribal or quote unquote primitive, they have some kind of sense of sexual display versus non-sexual display, whether it's like body jewelry or um, body paint or some kind of like clothing that indicates that they're sexually available. Like, so it's kind of naive to be like, oh, well, they're just walking around naked. It must mean that like they don't find the human body necessarily sexually enticing and that like men aren't ogling them and men aren't you know looking at them. Uh, a certain way, sexualized way, even when they're young. And the other thing that's common is child marriage in these types of places too. Yeah. So yes, they're walking around nude, but also they marry off 10 and 11 year old girls. So yeah, you know, I don't know, like it, the cultural relativism to me kind of gets to me because I feel like they cherry pick what they want to see to suit an agenda. And it's never as clear cut as they try to make it. Exactly. And can we like name drop these cultures that we're referring to that like normalize toplessness? Um, there's a couple, there's one called the, um, the Thoe. It's spelled like Z apostrophe O E. And they're uh, in the rainforest in Brazil. And they're one of the, they're not untouched, but they're like a, they're a tribal society um, that is mostly nude. But like, are we are we talking? I'm talking about like non-tribal, developing, developed world type 
level where uh, toplessness is, you know, normalized. Because I can't really think of anything. Oh, you want to know the funny sort of colonial history about this? So when Europeans are going around colonizing the rest of the world, anytime they found cultures where people walked around topless, they'd be like, oh, this must mean that we found the Garden of Eden. Because these are the people who, you know, are, or they thought that they did this, I think it was the Canary Islands or a few other cultures where they'd be like, oh, this is a sign, you know, this must mean that this location, what used to be the Garden of Eden, because they're walking around topless without any shame. And, you know, in the Bible, I guess, you know, it's once they only started covering themselves after the whole like apples and whatever thing. Uh, very sophisticated religious analysis coming from me here. But, you know, then, you know, after the whole original sin debacle, you know, then they have to cover themselves in shame or whatever. And so, yeah, this is another example of like the cultural relativism of like Europeans being weird, projecting their own weird shit onto other cultures when it has no, no applicability. The other culture I was thinking of was the uh, Huajorani, and they are an indigenous people in the Amazonian region of Ecuador. And so the men are basically nude except for like a thin uh, piece of twine that they use to like tuck their dick. And so you can see their like entire ball sack and underside of their penis, but it's like polite to tuck their penis. What? And if it's not tucked, <laughs> it's considered a sexual display. How do you spell this? Let me Google it. H. <laughs> yeah, Google okay. it. Google it at your own risk. It's H U A O R A N I. And what's interesting though is that all of these tribal societies, once they became contacted by people of the developed world, we should say, they um, kind of became aware of their own nakedness. And you're seeing a lot of these tribal societies like more adopt clothes. Wait, okay. <laughs> I'm just looking at this picture and I'm like, what? It's literally just a piece of twine that they tuck their dick into, but they don't tuck it under like what, uh, you know, drag queens or whatever do. No, they, they, they tuck it like up. So it's just like, it looks painful. It's like their foreskin is just like, yeah, it's like a sort of waistband the foreskin is just like tucked into the twine and i don't know that just doesn't look comfortable to me i'm like but this is considered polite right because if they had their penis out it's <laughs> they'd probably be really embarrassed like oh my god you know like, <laughs> but they have their whole ball sack out okay they have their whole ball sack out but like having their penis exposed is considered a sexual display and offensive to the people around them so even the people that are in these nude cultures they still have like some sense of decorum when it comes to yeah. exposing themselves. <laughs> so it's just quite odd to be like, just because they're naked does it or like, or they're more naked than we are in the West means that they don't have their own like social mores and um, comfortable with certain displays of nudity and not others. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. These guys got their whole peen. It's just, it's literally like, it's like, t it's like wrapped around dental floss. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I feel like this is such a... You guys, I'm so sorry to the people of the Harati culture. I'm sorry for being offensive and... You know, I, think they for, have, I don't think they care. Like, Yeah, they don't care, probably. Yeah, but yeah. three people in North North America don't... Yeah, I don't think... But you gotta tuck to fuck. You know, they just don't want to see, like, full boner. It's like, hey, don't yeah. put your boner at me kind of deal. And the, the women, like, they say they cover... They basically wear that's, like a sort of piece of twine with like a leaf. It looks like sort of like a bikini bottom made of leaves. 
that's the the female equivalent, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, even in cultures that are more naked than Europeans, yeah, they still have a sense of sexual decorum. Exactly. Like what I don't what I don't like is like yeah, the people who are going around. We need to desexualize breasts. Those are usually the weirdest, most horny people ever with no sexual boundaries, <laughs> right? It's always those people who are like, we need to desexualize X Y Z. Meanwhile, they're the people who literally like get off on violating other people's sexual boundaries, like. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I don't think any culture likes the weird sexual edgelords. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining the weird sexual ed- edgelords going to, like, this, uh, you know, tribe in Ecuador and getting immediately fucking, like, uh, poison darted. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that one guy that went to the Seminole Islands. What was it? Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Seminole Islands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I feel like... <laughs> Like, I just find it funny that there's these weird edgelord liberals who are, like, walking around topless, like, accept my nudity, like, stop sexualizing me. Uh, If they were to go to these tribes that they hold up as examples. Yeah, they wouldn't make it. Exactly. Right. Like, they totally get killed because they think they're fucking weirdos, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. Thank you for that. So, Yeah. Um, if you'd like to continue this discussion uh, with us, check out our Twitter at female political and all of our individual Twitters at row underscore FDS. Mine is at Lilith one underscore FDS. Okay. And then L E L L E underscore F P O L S T R A T F pole strat. Cool. So yeah, if you want to continue this discussion with us, feel free to add us on our Twitter. If you want to check us out on Patreon and support us, go to patreon.com forward slash female political strategy and our new Facebook page, female political strategy on Facebook. You can also discuss it on there. We'll post, we'll post uh, this podcast episode on there as well. So if you want to make comments, we'd be really, really, really interested to see what people have to say. <laughs> I'm still chuckling on the poison. Dart. You get poison darted. That was solid. <laughs> And they would deserve it. I really like how nobody's stuck up for that missionary that tried to disturb the sentinel. <laughs> nope. Not even not even his own church. They were like, well, we tried to, but like, he was sent by God. He had to meet God. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. <sighs> so, yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Bye.